So welcome to today's show, guys. Today we've got a guest, Kristen Beale, who's an author, illustrator, and she's got three books currently out with the fourth on its way. Um, she's had a, a a difficult past in some respects, and I'm sure we'll come to talk about that as we go through. Um, so welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. So if you just want to tell the guests a bit about yourself, obviously we've given a brief introduction there, um, and then we can obviously get stuck in. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name is Kristen, and I've had um, a difficult story, but a story that is very I'm very thankful for and that has really um, shaped me. So when I was 14 years old, I was, um, it was in a school. Well, you want me to launch into this part? Yeah. Okay. When I was 14 years old, I was in a jet ski accident um, with three of my friends. We were at Lake Aston in, um, in North Carolina, and um, one of our jet skis hit collided into the into the other one so um my friends who were driving the jet ski collided into me and my friend mark who was driving mine and he fell forward and died on impact and i was turning around like what is that noise stop um and it hit me on the left side of my brain for a traumatic brain injury and the middle of my back for a spinal cord injury um i fell in the water face first i was supposed to die you know well I was face first and then I flipped over. Um, I was unconscious and um, I was supposed to die. I was supposed to um, not be able to breathe or talk or swallow, be a vegetable and all this stuff. Um, the doctors predicted, but I made it and I'm not going to die. And, um, and my, um, let's see, I was in North Carolina in the hospital, Pitt Memorial Hospital for about a month. Excuse me. <coughs> um, and then I was flown back to my home city of Richmond, Virginia, where I stayed in the hospital for about three more months. Um, in that, while I was there, doctor said she's living and she's starting to breathe on her own. She's starting to wake up a little bit, but you know she'll be a vegetable when she wakes up. And it's not really um, things are not looking good for you, um, for your daughter. They were telling my parents this because I was in a coma. Um, so let's see. That happened on August 2005, about 17 years ago. And in this October of 2005, I started to wake up, despite what my doctor said. I started to wake up and come to, and I had short-term memory loss for a couple months, but um, I was awake and I was alive. So um, I started working hard to um, get out of the hospital. My, my parents said, my parents, my, my parents, I'm sorry, my doctors told my parents, you're like, she's never going to feel or move below her injury level again, which is T8 right in the middle of my torso. Um, so my parents said, yes, she will. Like, there's hope for her. We'll, we'll figure this out. Don't like, don't tell us no. Um, and so, which is the best thing I could have done because they told me, they, they're saying you're not going to be able to feel or move below your injury level. Um, we think you're going to, there's hope out there. Um, so work as hard as you can to get out of this hospital so we can, you know, go off to California, which I'll get to in a second. And so I got out, I worked hard and I got out on December 5th of 2005. And on January 1st, I was landing in California, Carlsbad, California, to work out at a place called Project Walk, which is like four hours a day, five days a week, working out um, to get feeling and sensation back. And I came back and I could wiggle my toes. Um so I've been back there eight times since then. Um, I've been to Dominican Republic for stem cells. I've been um, around the world for therapy um, and 
that's where I am today, which I can get to, but I'll take a little break for a second to let you talk. So so that sounds like the start of your story then, doesn't it? In in respect mm-hmm. to you've you've you're on holiday, you've you've been involved in this this jet ski incident where the person that you're with, I think Matthew was, was his name. Was Mark. Died, Mark, sorry, died on impact. And mm-hmm. you're here, huge issues in terms of in a coma, not being able to walk, etc. And if we then fast forward to today, and we'll fill in the gaps as we go through in terms of your authoring books, etc. If we fast forward to today and we see a complete sort of situation from where there was no hope, you know, the doctors were saying X, Y, and Z. And today, if you just want to tell everyone sort of where you're at today in terms of relationships and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very, very much before and after. Um, before, of course, I was 14 um, and below, and then after 15 and above. Um, but it was a complete just speaking of the physical and the the physical part is very different, of course, because I'm paralyzed in one, I'm not paralyzed in the other, um, but it was a complete mental perspective change. Um, so who I was before my accident was a young, carefree, life is easy, life is great. You know, my priorities are, you know, um, dating a boy and going to prom versus after, after my priorities are very much different. I'm very, I was very push, pushed into maturity um, at a very young age, which I'm thankful for. And I have a different perspective, very different and very um, one that was acquired from a way that I would never wish on anyone, but I'm very thankful for it. And um, today, today I'm very um, focused after my accident, I'm very focused on health is a big thing for me. Um, and I'm very focused on like um, just a completely different uh, it kind of changed my passions and it changed who I am and how I look at things and how I treat people. And, um, and that's who I am today, but physical wise, um, physically, I have the new motivation. I knew have this new, um, how do we call it? Like project. I'm calling it a project, my body, um, to get feeling and sensation back. So when I was first hurt, I was a complete injury, which means no feeling and no sensation below my injury. Good luck. You know, have a good time in the wheelchair. And then after all my working out and my eating right and my being healthy, I was able to get back, um, you know, a long list of things. And I have a long list of feelings and sensations. I can crawl. I graduated college and high school on a walker. I can, like, move my butt and my toes. I can feel pressure. Um, bladder sensation is coming back, you know, and more. And so it's very much like I see, I see this thing that they tell me that I can never have. And I'm just reaching to have it. Um, and I'm seeing how possible it is. Um, and that's just amazing. And that's just the power of, you know, God and working hard and believing in something and never giving up. Um, and so that that's really changed a lot of how I carry myself. So you seem to have overcome a lot of things there in terms of through, throughout the accident and, and beyond. So what does it life look like for you today then? Obviously, we talked about the fact that you're an illustrator and an author. And obviously, uh, I know that you're trying to build a family as well. So if you just want to talk about that, because I think that will give a, a real uh, good contrast, really, from where you came from, from such a position of, of, of sort of darkness and pain to today where, as you said, you know, you're in a really good space. Um, so if you just yeah. want to explain exactly where you are today and then we can fill in the gaps as, as in terms of how that progressed as, for, for you as a person, how that 
progressed in terms of your friends, etc., um, and taking it from there. Okay. Um, well, we have the darkness and pain of my accident. And then we have today, 17 years later, I am the happiest person I've ever met in my life. Um, I love me and my husband live out in the country of Virginia. And um, I have almost four books coming out. The fourth one is coming out next month or very soon. Um, and I have done 16 marathons. I'm a um, pair wheelchair fencer, pair fencer. Um, I have a baby coming in April. And that's very exciting. So I'm growing my family. I have a beautiful dog that um, is on the in the spotlight of all of my everything I do because she's been my world for so for so long. Um, you know, house, husband, baby, dog, books. I'm happy. I'm the happiest person. <laughs> Life is such, good. Such an inspiration, really, to 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 be someone who has come through that that situation to where you are today. And you talked about doing marathons and and, and fencing, etc. There's people who are physically able who sit on the sofa and watch Netflix six hours a day. So I think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of endurance, uh, discipline, focus to be able to to pick yourself up and say, Do you know what? I'm not going to let any of this affect me. I'm actually going to build my ideal life anyway, which you, you've managed to do, which is which is fantastic. What perspective change have you got since your accident? So. Obviously, we spoke off air about this last time in terms of friends, how you view society in general, how you judge people in general. Can you talk a little bit about how that's changed over over time? Mm -hmm. So before my accident, I was um, lacrosse, field hockey, competition, cheerleading, very active, surrounded by friends, had a lot of had a lot going for me. Um, and then my accident happened and I lost a lot of friends because we were young, we were immature. It's fine. Um, I seemingly lost all my sports because adaptive sports weren't really big at the time. They weren't really popular. So um, I had no idea that there was a, a such thing as adaptive sports back then. Um, and I kind of lost everything. And I went through, um, it was brief, but it was still there. I went through a time where I was just not happy and I was just kind of like lost. I feel like I had like lost myself with this disability. Um, and I didn't like that, of course. So I, I, I told myself, like, what do I need to do to be happy? What do I need to do to work myself back into this happiness that I had before my accident or something close to it, something that looks, looks kind of like it. Um, and so it's just, so ever since, so ever since, and that's why I've put all these things in my life that I know make me happy, like the hand cycling, for example, with the marathons, that makes me extremely happy. Um, finishing a marathon, working hard and actually doing something that someone can look at and say, wow, that's really cool. I could never do that. As opposed to looking at me and saying, oh, you can't walk or you can't feel your feet. Um, looking at me and being impressed versus um, looking at me and feeling pity. Um, it's not all about what other people think, but it's it's kind of what I think of myself. Of, I can't do this versus, oh, well, look what I'm doing. Um, so just that, for example, and then, you know, my dog and my husband and all that, all this, other, my books, all this other stuff that's in my life is what is what I've put there is what I've made happen so that I can be happy, because I know that that's what I need. Um, so it's not accepting the perspective, coming back to your question, the perspective is um, like, I don't want to be happy. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be focused on what I can't do and what has happened to me the tragedy has happened so i like flip that around and make myself 
you know, take care of myself and do what I need to do to, to be a happy person. And that's kind of simple. I'm simplifying it a lot, but that's what it boils down to. And that's why I have all this good stuff going for myself because I work hard. I either work hard to get it or I make sure that I can put it in my life because that's what I need to be a happy functioning person. Well, you mentioned losing yourself. I think it's sometimes the case that we need to lose ourselves, don't we, to, to be able to find ourselves and, and to say, well, who do I want to be? What do I want to do? Is that what led you down the route of, of writing books? Is that a, a conscious question you asked yourself or was that something that sort of just, just happened to an extent? Um, so I, I never wrote, I never knew I liked to write, never knew I was good at it, anything. Um, but I, when I was a sophomore in high school, I'm sorry. Yeah. When I was a junior in high school, when I came back to school after being in the hospital, um, I took a creative writing class because it was an easy A and, you know, the teacher can't really give you a bad grade for being creative, you know, and I just, I, I needed something easy at the time. Um, and then I realized that I like to write and I'm good at it and I have all these things in my life that are new and that I'm in process and writing them down to help me process them. Um, and so that's, shoot, I forgot your question. Um, oh, but then that's, that's like, okay, so that, that's how I like found um found that passion and then I started to um write to remember things mostly to remember things um and just to process them and that's how kind of greater things was born a lot of those stories that I started writing when I was a junior um kind of made up greater things my first book and um and I have forgotten your question <laughs> no so it was just talking about what inspired you to 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 write um, okay. And you sort of answered that really to, to an extent and you found a passion for it and didn't know that, you know, you weren't necessarily good at that to an extent. So you've got three books out at the moment. You have got a new one coming out, but we'll talk about maybe the three that you've already got out there and then move on to to obviously the, the new and exciting one. So so what what was the first book and, and what's it about? So Greater Things is the first book where we, we it starts the weekend before my accident, my jet ski accident, where I meet this boy I have a really big crush on. Um, and then the next weekend we go to Lake Aston to the, to the lake. Um, and he's, he's the one who's driving the other jet ski that ends up hitting me. Um, so, you know, crush is gone, friend is dead. I'm paralyzed, all this stuff. And then, so it goes from, it takes me from the very beginning until, um, I get out of college. So it's, you know, me struggling to sit up long enough to brush my teeth all the way to I'm graduating high school and going to college and in between, in, in, in there is um, a bunch of struggle, but then a bunch of like me relearning how to do stuff. Me, that's why I'm doing my first marathon. I'm doing, I'm discovering adaptive sports. Um, I'm trying new things all from the perspective of a wheelchair. So it's, it's pretty much all the things that you would do that anyone would do, but just with a different, for a different take on it. And I try to do, I try to I'm a very, I'm a person that's very like, I want to add humor in anything that I can. So it's not like a, a sad, sad, sad book um, because my perspective, I was young and I was still learning this stuff. So I'm kind of like figuring it out, but in a very, um, not very kid way, but in a kid way, in like an, in, like not a mature way either. Um, it's fun. It's, I, I put a fun twist on it, but it's also a very traumatic story. Um, and so that's that's Greater Things, my first book. And so when Greater Things was being published, I quit my job at a bank the month a month before um, month before it came out, just 
kind of saying, I'm going to be an author now. I don't want to work at a bank anymore. It's boring. It's not interesting. Let's do this. So um, th about three months after Greater Things came out, I money was starting to stop, stop coming because people buy the book and, you know, they don't buy it again. So, um, so I said, what is something that I do a lot of that I know a lot about that I can write another book about because it's either write another book or get a job and or get like, yeah, work. Um, so I, the answer was dating, going on first dates, going on bad first dates. So my second book is called date me. That's a comic book about dating in a wheelchair. So I went on, I updated my profile. I went on 32 dates in two and a half months, which is absolutely bonkers. That's like a lunch date, a dinner date on the same day, you know, four dates a week, four different guys. Um, and I made a comic about them. Most of them, I made a comic about them and didn't talk to them ever again because the date went bad. Boys are rude and horny and don't know. Apparently, apparently, not all of them, um, but apparently don't know how to act around a wheelchair. Um, it makes them very uncomfortable, apparently. And that's when I kind of learned that um, my wheelchair is a bigger deal than I thought. Um, like it's, it takes people, it's like something that people had to, had to accept at the time of dating, um, which I didn't realize that because I'm like, I'm just the normal girl. I'm just sitting down. Um, but apparently not. Um, so anyway, I made light of it. That's something that everyone does and everyone kind of knows about dating, how hard dating is within the perspective of a wheelchair. So I kind of add, add some humor to it, add some humor to a bad situation. And that was actually turned into um, a TV show. And the first episode is on YouTube. If you search Date Me, um, that's really fun. And I got confronted a couple of times after it came out, but um, you know, it's fine. Because everything I said was truthful. <laughs> that's, that's crazy really that you've had, had, the, had the accident. You've then, decided to, to obviously write a book about the experience and something the Stoics say is that if you can laugh at yourself you'll never find out things to laugh at and I think it's really good mm -hmm. that you can have that sort of viewpoint to obviously it is a serious situation and I'm sure there's emotions etc in the book but also to have a, a, a light humour on that which is which is great mm -hmm. and then obviously the second book the date the, 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 the date me stuff um, mm -hmm. I'm sure that's quite hilarious <laughs> it's fun it's fun so from from that get dating is that where you found your husband or was that a separate separate thing that was um lessons learned if I was trying to teach a lesson I could I could pull a lesson out of there I did not meet my husband um with that experiment we're going to call it I met my husband at the end of that um and I met him once I had deleted the app and I met him at church so um I met him the traditional way at church, the best place to meet him, which I didn't think I thought boys at church, like they're all weird or they're all married or they're all taken. But then, you know, my husband wasn't and I, I found him there. So, you know, the it's lesson could go to church, get off the apps. But it tends to be the way, though, doesn't it? If you have you got something in common with someone or people go into a certain situation, they are more likely to be like that, if that makes sense. So obviously, if you're going to church, someone's more likely to be religious and have moral moral uh, beliefs and ethics etc do you, do you find that you've noticed or you now have people in your life that are more down to earth uh, more real in terms of their intentions than maybe when you were 14 going to the prom etc uh, do you think yeah. there's a, a real difference there now in terms of real friends versus deal friends mm -hmm. um so this is this is another great thing about my wheelchair because well, 
you know, great hard at the beginning, but great. But before when I was hurt, when I was in ninth grade, before my accident, I was surrounded by friends. I had a ton of friends because it was easy to be my friend because I was an able-bodied person, you know, whatever I'm fun to be around. Um, but then after my accident, um, I was learning, I was learning how to, I was learning how to show up in public in the social setting in a wheelchair. So I was relearning everything. And, and my friends, the people around me were learning how to be around me in a wheelchair in a social setting. We we're all just kind of figuring it out. And that's why I lost. I think, I think that's why I lost a lot of friends um, after my accident, because I'm just like this girl with this hard story as like why like choosing that versus like I'm gonna go like to the mall with my friends and then go to prom you know it's so that that's that's how I think it's weeded it out which was very hard at first um but now especially especially now years later it's one of the greatest things because um the people that are around me it's not as much as like she's hard to be around because I've figured myself out and I'm you know um I'm good now but um the people around me are solid like they're around me because they want to be around me and like it, I don't like take a lot of effort now but I kind of weeded out to a point of like I would rather have close good solid friends than a bunch of like you know acquaintances and loop-de-loop friends um so that weeded out a lot with friends and then also with dating big time because um as you'll as you'll see in the date me book um most boys are just you know, don't want anything to do with it. And I'm like, well, I don't want anything to do with you either because you're rude or like, you're not, you're here for the wrong, re like the different reasons. And I thought um, it just weeds them out. My wheelchair just weeds people out. Um, and it's great. It's fine because I got my core friends. So it filters out the superficial people is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so what about the third book then? So we've also got the, the story of, of what happened to you, the, the dating uh, comedy book, let's say. Um, that, yeah. that obviously you've learned a lot of lessons from and then what about the third book then uh, how does the third book differ yeah so the third book is called a million sons um and the whole theme of the book is like finding my passions i lost with my accident so um a big one for me was sports um i've done sports ever since i was a small kid and they're very much it's more than just sports it's very much like my outlet and it's it's like how i exercise my body and show up for myself but then I you know thought I lost that um and I'm trying, trying to find I'm trying to find my passions again so we have a bunch of adaptive sports that I try which again we have a humorous take on all of them because I'm figuring out stuff like adaptive lacrosse where I'm like of course I'll love this because I loved it before my accident and then I go and I realize I'm super bad at it and you know it's terrible and people are hitting me in the face with their stick etc there's just a funny take on it um, so it's fun and my passions. And then it's also, um, that's where I met my husband. We have a little bit of a story um, of how we met in church. And that, sorry, excuse me, that story is in the book. Um, and so call him one of my passions. Um, and it's kind of like finding myself again is the theme. Um, but it's funny and it's entertaining and it's a good read. It's a good book. So you've, you've obviously, those three are already out on sale um so you're an illustrator as well aren't you so is that done through mm -hmm. that publishing company as well yes morgan james publishing and what's what what does that company do and how does that differ from maybe a more traditional publisher mm -hmm. um so that is a publishing company and we are hybrid publishers 
um, versus traditional, which is there's, there's some there's some differences in there of um, of like benefits for the author. And I was actually when I was pitching my third book to them, um, my my publisher, the owner of the company, said, "What are you doing like for work?" And I said, "Actually, I tell people that I work for Morgan James. I hope that's okay because I'm an author here." Um, and he says you know, okay, well, do you want to actually work for Morgan James? And I said, yeah. So that's when I started to, I love this company so much. I love them. They changed my life. And the people that work there, it's a small publishing company. So the people that work there are very close and we look out for each other and it's like a family. I feel like every company says that, but, um, you know, it's true in our case. Um, so he said, do you want to work here? So I actually work as a, um, a literary agent for Morgan James. Um, so I'm, I'm stuck on them and I don't ever want to go anywhere else because they're, they've done me right so far. So you're working as an illustrator. how do you get time to write your, your most recent book then? Do you do a page a day as I sort of tend to do where I break it down into smaller chunks when I write a book or are you someone who really likes to sit down for five, 10 hours at a time and, and, and sort of chug through it? I wish I had the discipline to have a schedule people like I wake up every I wake up at five o'clock every morning and you know write for hours because that's when my brain works but I'm I've never been able to do that um and when I get really really get into the book um I'm working for three four hours a day just sitting there take a break come back for a couple more hours it's so much fun that's the best part about writing the book is the writing the writing process um and I it's something that I make time for and when I'm really really into it it's kind of like everything in my life falls around my writing because it's just what I love to do so much and I'm and I'm actually working on this big project that's going to become something which is the book um and so I actually just just recently got out of that process because um I submitted my book but um I miss it a lot and um it's it's awesome it's the best part so what's that book about then? How does that differ from the previous three? Um, if you just want to explain what it's about for the guests. Mm -hmm. um, so this, my fourth book is a fiction and I'm very excited. Um, my first fiction, it's kind of like I got to a point where I'm running, I ran out of things, non like I ran out of things that I'm doing in my life that people would want to read about. So I'm like, where do I go next? I guess I'll try fiction. I, and then I tried it and I loved it. So this is good. So I have... 12 inanimate objects. We have um, an avocado, a pen, a pumpkin, a tampon, a bath towel, a toothpaste, all this stuff. Um, and they all have personalities. They have past, present, future. They have dreams, aspirations, names, um, a different personality per object, of course. Um, and they all belong to the same person, um, her, whose name is Madison. And they're telling their story from their perspective of like how, they, how they're seeing life. Um, you know, the pumpkin, for example, we, we go through her, she's in the patch first until she's like chosen and she's carved. And so you're reading like the excruciation of her being carved and then sitting on the stoop and not knowing, etc. cetera. Um, and it's really fun and it's entertaining. And it's funny. And I'm, my goal was to make you look at things and see things through a different perspective. Like, you know, you're writing with your pen and you're like, I wonder, is my pen reading what I'm writing? Is is he or she like processing what I'm doing or, you know, how does, how does it look? How does he look? Well, it's a he in the book, but how does he look when, uh, I mean, how, what, how does he feel when I'm writing with them? You know, et cetera, his ink runs out, you know, 
Um, and so they all belong to, anyway, they all belong to the same person, Madison. And you find out, you're kind of learning her story through the pens and through her, I mean, sorry, through the objects and through her journal articles. So she has, she's diagnosed with something. She does something in the end. Um, she has a lot going on in her life. She's going through a breakup, um, her first breakup as an adult. So I was able to channel a lot of that um, during my first breakup. So I'm kind of like, it's not nonfiction. It's definitely fiction, but there are a lot of nonfiction elements in Madison's breakup and Madison's emotions. And I'm able to live that through the objects and through her journal articles. Um, it was it was just a lot of fun. And, um, and it's cool because I can look at things and I can say, you know, oh, my bath towel's name is, you know, Trisha, and this is what she's feeling. And I can just kind of reflect on those stories that I've written and then say, you know, I can think of every element of the experience of this object and put it in my stories. Well, it's good that, so so it sounds to me like you're trying to establish some empathy with, with things outside of yourself and also yes. assume that everything has consciousness. So as you said, the pen that's being written with, does that read the story? Does it feel the movement around the punk pin, as you said, mm -hmm. when it's cut, when it's being gouged for Halloween? How does that make it feel, et cetera, and uh, sort of paraded in front of the house? So mm -hmm. you, you, the inspiration, obviously, you've, you you've, you mentioned that, yes, it's, it's fiction, but you've taken some of your own experience. I mean, that's normal, isn't it, that you take inspiration from something that's happened to you and, and put that into a... A fictional story what specific parts of your story have inspired you in this particular fiction uh, fiction novel um it's just a level um the objects some objects you know love what they're doing and some objects don't love what they're doing the tampon for example loves what she's doing and she's very um driven toward what she thinks her purpose is um but the pumpkin you know hates it the, the the mug um hates madison drinks a lot of hot tea and the the mug hates being scorched with the tea um so it's it's just a level of um let's see i'm using extreme words here but a level of suffering and a level of joy that i can kind of connect to because i find because i've had i've had a lot of joy and some suffering i guess a lot of suffering in my life too so I can just um, connect with those feelings a lot better and a lot stronger. Um, and then flip it over to Madison. Madison's part of the story where you're flipping, where you're um, going back to her. She has the suffering of a first breakup and moving out on her own, you know, during this breakup, which is exactly what I did. Um, <laughs> and moving out, moving out in the middle of like a terrible breakup with my, my ex-boyfriend um, and, so that's kind of going on at the same time as like, you know, the tampon's happy about her job and the mug is hating his job and, you know, all that stuff. Um, so it's, I think, I think my story is reflected in these stories, just the, the, the connection I can have with the emotions of the objects and her, Madison. I think it's amazing that if you look at 15, I think it was 15 or 17 years ago, wasn't it? Your accident? The 17. 17 years that, you at that point were thinking, well, how am I going to move? How am I going to go to the toilet, etc. And the wishes you had then, so I just want to be able to move around. I just want to be able to 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 be loved, etc. If we fast forward seventeen years, 
you've got all the things that you wished for and more, which I think mm -hmm. uh, is quite remarkable, really. Is there any was there any point in in that time frame where you lost hope even for a short time? I can see that you're quite a positive person, which I love. And you are definitely a, a glass half full kind of person, which is admirable. But was it were, were there any points that you were under the cosh for even a small period of time? And even that and if so, how did you overcome that thought process? Mm -hmm. Um, so I I was hurt, like I said, sophomore of high school was when I was going back. And when I was in high school, I didn't really know in high school the answer is no because I was doing all this, I was working for all this stuff and I was just so busy with my rehab and with school and all this stuff that I didn't really, didn't really soak in, I guess, didn't really sink in what my situation was. I was also surrounded by friends that I already had and that I'd already made. Um, so that was easy. I didn't have to make a whole lot of new friends. Um, so no, until I was in high school and then in college, I went to college and it's, you know, I'm meeting all, I'm starting from scratch. I'm seeing these people know me from no other form than Kristen in the wheelchair. So very much, I'm like the girl in the wheelchair and unless I make another name for myself. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't, especially freshman year, um, I didn't go to parties. I didn't like do all the college things because I was, you know, working out in the middle of classes and I just, I'm just not really a party person. So Kyle, the freshman year of college was probably the hardest of my life because I was learning myself from a different perspective, from the perspective of all these strangers who didn't know me and didn't have any reason to love me. And so my, my disability and my difference kind of sunk in for the first time. Um, and so that was really hard, but I never really, I never got to the point where I lost hope when I, when I woke up ever since I was a kid. And ever since I woke up from my coma, I was very surrounded by a close family um, who said to me, you know, this is what happened, but this is what could have happened. You know, this, this is what could have happened, but this is what God has blessed you with. And this is what, um, this is what you are. You, this is all the stuff you have to be thankful for. So I look in that from looking at myself through that perspective. And I say, especially when I went to California and I'm working on working out for four hours a day, five days a week on the mat right next to me to move my legs and the mat right next to me is somebody who's working out equally as hard um you know to move their fingers and i'm i can very easily do that so it puts things into perspective and just folk i was very focused on how fortunate i am and how much i have um that it's kind of hard to feel bad for myself because then i can look at my friend who you know is a quad and can't you know cough yeah. I think it comes down to gratitude, doesn't it, for for like the blessings that you've got? Because everything you've got, someone else is jealous of. Like you've got books out, someone else wants to write a book and they haven't got that. Someone wants to be an illustrator, someone wants to get married and have kids with another on their way or whatever. So mm -hmm. so there's always something that we can be grateful for as individuals. And I think it's good to have that sort of uh mindset. But if let's say that everything that we go through develops our mindset doesn't it so what happens today will change your mindset for tomorrow and, and and vice versa it's probably quite a difficult question to answer but how do you feel that your uh pre-accident self would have judged your current self um at that time if that makes sense because obviously before everything happened you would have had a slightly different view on things 
how do you think that judgment would have would have occurred and what do you think that judgment would have shown mm-hmm. um i think difficult question but i have a but i have a quick answer because it's also an easy one um i think that it would it would come from what i've heard from, i think i think pre accident Kristen would say what i've heard so many people say of oh i could never do that or like that's so hard that's you know, that's too much for me, or I could never do, or I could never be like that. I could never have that perspective um, because I don't really know what I'm able to do until I have to do it, until I'm forced, until my hand is forced. And I'm, and then I, and then all these things influence me, like my family and my faith in God and um, my community around me. And then I say, this is what I can actually do. I can keep going. But if you just step back and you look at my situation and say, she lost all this stuff, you know, her life is flipped upside down. I could never do that. You know, that's, that's too much. Um, so I think that's what pre-Christian would say, but then, um, you know, it happens. And then I, and then as it happens, I'm like, wait, this is like, I have, I'm doing this because in my mind I have to do it. There's no other choice. And I don't give myself another choice because like I said before, if I want to be happy, if I want to, you know, if I want to start owning my own life, then this is what I have to do. So I don't really have a choice to do it. And I know yeah. that's a mindset that's mindset that i pushed on myself it's um it's a couple of sort of stoic phrases come to mind that life's a tragedy but we must not forget to sing in the lifeboat it's i think that you've got that sort of attitude where you should always regardless of what happens um be positive be optimistic and the other from what you've said is that um a gem cannot be polished without friction nor man perfected without trials and from what you said there you're you're basically saying that pre uh, judgment or what people have said to you is that I could never go through that but what you're saying is that actually going through that makes you ready for it is that is that what you're trying to suggest yeah and uh yeah and it you don't know what what you can do until you have to do it until you're until you're pushed into it um and so I would say back to pre-Christian pre-accident Christian I would say yes you can like why are you why are you cutting yourself off of the knees and saying I could never do that and, you know, just kind of assuming you can't when, why don't you try, or I'm not saying why don't you try being paralyzed, but, but I'm saying like, why, like, why would you say you could never do that? Because you don't know what you're capable of, you know, much more than I ever thought that I would be able to be. Do you, do you think that you can use that mentality in like a, a forward thinking perspective of, for example, people always say the time isn't right. I'm waiting for X, Y, Z to happen. Could you transfer that perspective to to that example and say, well, actually, how do you know if you're going to be ready? How do you know if it's going to be the right time without actually undertaking that challenge now? Yes, and that's why that's why I've tried so many things um, after my accident. That's why I've tried so many things, and I and I have very much like a don't say no. You know, Kristen, do you want to go? repelling off like Kristen you're paralyzed you want to go repelling off the side of a building in Virginia Beach and I'm like yeah yeah, okay that'd be great let's try it um because it's very much like I don't know what I could love I don't know what is going to form me and is going to give me some kind of lesson that story isn't a million sons by the way um but I don't I don't know what I'm going to get out of this experience so why not try it as long as it's reasonable and safe why not try it and see what I can extract from this crazy either crazy bad or crazy good experience and take that with me through life and it's very much like a um don't don't cut don't sell myself short like try all these things because I could find a passion 
like running, for example, I used to hate to run before my accident. I was like the 16 minute mile person last in my gym class used to hate to run. And now, you know, if you told me back then that, you know, one day you're going to do one marathon, much less 16 marathons, I'd be like, no, no, like I couldn't do that. What are you talking about? I would say that same thing of I could never do that. But then now, you know, riding, riding my hand cycle, which is kind of equivalent to, which is definitely equivalent to someone running a marathon um, is one of like, gives me the most joy out of everything. So I would never know unless I tried and, you know, I tried and I love it. So do you think we talk ourselves out of things by looking at the negative side and having limiting beliefs, i.e. I can never do that. Um, And as you said, sort of selling yourself short and not having the optimistic attitude saying that actually by doing these things, although there are going to be negatives, it's going to be painful looking at the result or actually the, the, the rising to the challenge let's say that we get from things. Mm -hmm. Is that what you use for motivation now, as opposed to looking at the negative side, as as you said, like your probably arms are going to be lethargic and with Mm -hmm. going jelly arms at at probably 20, 20 plus miles. Is that how you view things now and look at what you can gain from something as opposed to what you could lose or what are the disadvantages of of undertaking a challenge? Yeah. So in the case of marathon, I might be, um, you know, hurting and I might have jelly lethargic arms but I'm gonna have a medal like but I'm gonna have a medal from New York Marathon my first marathon was New York with a medal from New York Marathon like that's really cool so worst case scenario I'm gonna have this experience and it's gonna be terrible I'm gonna hate it but then um you know at the end of it I'm gonna have a story I'm gonna have some growth so this that reminds me saying that reminds me of um my dating my date me my dating book um, I made a rule for myself that I'm I'm going to say yes to every date that I'm asked on, which if you're on a dating app and you're, you know, moderately attractive, it's very easy to get a date. It's very easy. I mean, it's very easy. Um, so I made a rule for myself. I'm going to say yes to everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it got to the point, especially closer to the end of like, I don't feel like doing this. I don't like, you know, I've gotten not abused, but like emotionally and verbally abused um, by these guys, you know, all week long, I don't want to go on another, another date, but then my perspective turned into, well, this could be different. This guy could be different. And if he's not, then I'm going to get a good story out of it for my book. Like it's gonna, it's, I'm, I'm turning a bad situation, uh, which is, which was dating for me at the time into how can I, how can I make this worthwhile? And the answer was make a book, you know, make money off these guys being mean to me. Um, and, and so it's kind of like finding finding a good angle on a bad situation of dating is bad, but I'm going to get a good, like the worse they are to meaner, the meaner and ruder they are to me, then the better the story. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to try to make the best of it. But if it's not good, then I'll get something good out of it. And I think that's kind of a perspective that can carry to things of, I'm just going to try stuff because why not? And if it's bad, then I'll, I'll have a good story to tell people later. Yeah, I think you spot on there. And it's like, for example, a world championship boxer, as you know, people would like to have that world champion boxer status, but they aren't willing to go through. They're getting punched in the face five times a day, uh, you know, 100 times a day, do five hour sessions every day and do running, etc. So it's they are again looking at the the end result, but without wanting to go through the story. I know that you studied clinical psychology. Do you think that helped you with this mindset or is that something that you've just learned from experience? 
Um, well, studying psychology helped me to um, kind of figure out how people work a little bit more, how people's minds work a little bit more, and helped me kind of figure out how to um, interact, not figure out, but improve my interactions with people because I can kind of see, understand a little bit more where they're coming from. Psychology is just good for that in general for everyone. Um, but for dating, I, for dating, I, I use that a little bit because, um, because it, it just kind of like, it helped like studying psychology helped me kind of like have that empathy and like have that patience a little bit more um, and kind of realizing how psychology also showed me how flexible and changeable the mind is. So that helped me in my rehabilitation more than more than I already knew um, of like our my our brains are like you know putty we can just change them and adapt them and you know it's great and it's not easy but um, it's something we can do so it just showed me the possibility um, in my interactions with people and in my rehabilitation with myself um, and just helped me in all all areas which is a cookie cutter thing to say but it's it's true that it just it's so applicable to all parts of my life. So what does the future look like for Kristen then? Um, have you got book ideas? Is it something to public speaking potentially? What 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 is your next three to five years, uh, let's say, um, in an mm -hmm. ideal scenario? Yeah. So I love public speaking. I've done a lot of public speaking. I love um reaching people with my story because I have a very powerful story with a lot of different angles that I can teach people things or motivate them or whatever. Um, I love public speaking, so I'm always looking out for that. And um, Wide Awake, this fiction, my fiction that's coming out, um, as many objects there are in the world is, is how many books I can write or how many, you know, so there's potential for sequels. Um, so there's definitely sequel potential in that. Um, I'm going to have a baby, and I don't know what, what my life is going to look like, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep doing doing what I'm doing, you know, writing, writing and speaking-wise. Um, you know, with the baby in my arms, but who knows what it's going to be like. It's very exciting because I'm going to have a family now, but I fully intend to work on sequels for Wide Awake and keep public speaking wherever I can and keep telling my story and spreading the news that life is great no matter what happens to you and no matter what your situations are. So when, when are you due? Uh, when are you due? April 28th. So, oh, not too far then? Not too far at all. Holy cow. So, so yeah, you might be in a position where you, you're feeding, then the baby's gone to sleep and you're you know, whipping out the laptop for book, yeah. book five. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so if we go back through your story, other than obviously the accident and obviously the books, et cetera, what were two other defining moments, would you say, that haven't been discussed thus far? Defining moments in my life or in my books? In your in your life, other than other than the books and the accident and mm -hmm. your partner. Let's say something that hasn't been discussed this year. Um let's see. So one comes to mind very quickly is when I first wiggled my toes after that first month and a half in California. Um and I had again no feeling and no sensation from a mid-torso down. Um, and I came back after a month and a half of working out like a madman um, and I wiggle my toes. And that's kind of when I said, okay, like this, that's what that, that was like the first way to prove the doctors wrong of like, Hey, I can get things back and like things are possible. And 
Um, I was obsessed with wiggling on my toes. I would just, I would, well, before that, I would just lay in bed for hours at a time, staring at my feet, trying, I can feel them wiggling, just like you can feel them wiggling, but they weren't wiggling, which was infuriating. But I just sat there and I stared at them for hours, um, trying to send brain signals down to wiggle my toes. And they finally wiggled. And that was like, wow, the power of my brain, the power of keeping healthy and working out and, you know, saying no to the doctors. They told me I can't. Um, that was definitely defining. And then, um, then I would say on a different perspective, when I was in college, my sophomore year of college, freshman year was tough, dark, very lonely and sad um, for my own doing a little bit. Um, but then sophomore year of college, when I um, started to become Kristen again, I started to make friends and interact and, and kind of like I had it figured out. Honestly, I came back for, uh, freshman year, sophomore year of college. And I said, I can't do freshman year over again. Like, I'm not going to make it. That was too bad. So I joined a club. I joined the um, the campus Bible study club. And I started to be around people who were like me, who accepted me, who, you know, a lot of them had similar freshman years as I did. Um, and I started to make friends again. I started to come out. So kind of that defining moment was finding myself again in what felt like an impossible situation um, and kind of my personality coming out again. So that was defining moment, defining months. I think that's really good advice, isn't it? Because if, you know, people are going through situations that, you know, they, let's say they want to find friends or they don't know who they are or whatever it's going to be. If you just do things that you enjoy, so Bible study or go and do some martial arts or go running or hiking, whatever it's going to be, you're going to find like-minded people regardless. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think that's a life hack that a lot of people don't really discuss. They're like, Oh, I need to go out to the pub and find friends or um, where am I going to find someone who is similar to me? Um, Well, why not try actually doing things that you enjoy and you'll Mm -hmm. probably find that you will find people who are similar to you, you know, whether it's, football team, you know, same support, as I said, martial arts, Bible study, dancing, you know, go salsa dancing, whatever it's going to be. And if you've got more than one interest, dogs, another one, what you'll tend to find is you'll find friends in all all the areas. You will build Mm -hmm. a network and maybe you'll bring friends together. Um, And that's how you can maybe create your own little life. Is that something that you found from, as you said, going to Bible study and, and doing the marathons and public speaking, et cetera, do you find that just living to your interests has actually helped you find um, um, happiness in, in those areas? Yes. Yeah, so that's kind of, um, that's kind of also to take that one step further, taking care of myself, doing what I, what I need to do to be happy, which in that, in my case was Bible study and hand cycling and running in marathons and church and all that stuff. Um, that's, and that's as a result of me being happy and me being my, my hundred percent in my place, um, and in my comfort zone, cause I'm in, I'm putting myself in this comfort zone. Um, that's where I kind of find people to surround me and they, and my happiness, confidence, you know, contentment, all that stuff attracts people versus me going in a bar and not being able to see over the counter and like being, you know, a little uncomfortable and like dirty and like not really happy. I'm not really going to meet because that doesn't attract people. I'm not really going to meet people in a bar, much, much less like 
than if I go to a church and I'm comfortable enough to talk out and speak or a marathon or whatever. Um, so it's just taking care of yourself um, and doing what makes you happy. And then people will come around. People will come to you. People will be attracted to your energy. Um, but taking care of yourself first. So like attracts like in that in that scenario. Yes. Mm -hmm. So so have you got any new hobbies that you're undertaking at the moment or is it still the the same few that you found uh after you obviously came out of the coma and, and got better mm -hmm. um well fencing is is relatively new i just started that in 2020 um and i've been to four um north american cups around the country um and i've gotten medals at all of them i've been to um colorado for the Olymp for the olympic training center and trained three for two weeks um two different years um so that's been a really fun thing that i've made a lot of friends through that because it's something that i love and i'm happy um and then i have my hand cycling and i haven't gotten any new hobbies just because i have a baby coming um and what i have and what i have like but my things that i have now my hobbies that i have now are very filling to me and yes ba like baby or not if if there's ever if there's ever a hole if there's a hole if I'm feeling like I need something else or I need something to make me happy or fill my time or something that I would I would not hesitate to look for something else it would probably just look a little different um than going out and finding something because I have my family but um no I don't have any new hobbies but I wouldn't hesitate to to find one if I found a need for it my new maybe, hobby is, is my baby. Yeah, I was going to say, well, maybe when you've got your, your baby, that they'll be uh, dictated by by that, maybe. But, but oh yeah. See, so, so if there was one sort of core message uh, that you would want to get out to to the listeners, what would that be, and how do you feel that that message or that advice would help them change things for themselves? Mm -hmm. Um. So that would definitely be um, try things, try things and do new things and everything you can to find your happiness. Um, prioritize your happiness, prioritize yourself and your mental well-being, um, or else you're not gonna go very far because you're not gonna be a happy person and you're gonna be miserable. Is you, you gotta take care of yourself first so that you can show up for other people and you can show up in the world and, you know, who knows, inspire other people to do the same as you. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? We, it's that sometimes you feel, oh, I don't want to have to do this because it's going to take me five years or whatever. At the end of the day, you're it's going to be five years anyway in five years. So, you know, if you're 35, mm -hmm. you're going to be 40 in five years regardless. So I think it's good that you're saying that people should just go for it, find out and do things, different things that are going to help find happiness. Because sometimes it's not always the things that you feel will be right for you or always right for you are they as you probably found out from mm -hmm. dating thing uh, as an example yeah. um so if people want to find you and find your work where is the best place for them to do that okay so this is a little uh wrench i'm going to throw in so if you want it well kristenbeal.com is my website so that's where you can get um my articles i write for chris reeve every month twice a month um my books my comics you can sign up for my weekly comics um so I have weekly comics that I send out. You can sign up for them on my website or on Instagram at Greater Things Comics. They come out every week. Those are just fun little things that are on my mind or, um, you know, something funny that I thought of or that's really fun to do. 
Um, and then the wrench is if you want to find me, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> my personal Instagram is Kristen Gupta. Um, that's my married name. And um, that's where you can, you can also find my comics and my articles and everything through there. And just like the personal life of Kristen, you can see plenty of pictures of my dog, I'm sure. Um, so Kristen Gupta on Instagram um, for personal greater things, comics and kristenbeer.com for books and comics. And then I'll pretty soon, you can also find me in the bookstores, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Borders, et cetera. Pretty soon, my fourth book. So talk to me a bit about the comics, actually, just before we sign off. Um, so, yeah. so what do these daily comics entail? I realized as I said that, that I'd never, that I'd mentioned it yet. Um, so they come out every Monday on the newsletter, every Tuesday on Instagram. And it's just a new comic every month. Um, always, I mean, every, I'm sorry, every week always six blocks um we have let's see the one that came out the one that came out yesterday was um how to get through a breakup and it's just like it's just like it could be like a funny funny advice for it or it could be um something something more serious with like a funny twist but you know it's a comic so it's always some kind of entertainment and humor um so it's just fun because i'm because it's situations and it's things that everyone goes through but then I'm just like I'm a constant in all the comics my my character um the girl in the wheelchair and it's kind of just bringing it to like hey I go through the same things as you or like you know I look different but I'm the same as you and you know we're all going through we're all going through breakups here some like entertaining fun ways to get through a breakup you know um so it's that, that that's my really that's my ongoing fun project um and they're great worth it worth the check out excellent so one final thing is just want to let everyone know when your book is out because i know it's currently being published isn't it so what what's that yeah. release date um so it's february mid-february i believe for books that you can order off my website and then they'll be in bookstores in august of 23 so a couple of weeks it's out mm-hmm. um, and then another six months until it's shipped out to to the barns etc yeah so it's it's available for order through my website in a couple weeks um and then bookstores in august yeah excellent so have you got any final words uh, about anything um follow along for some for some fun stuff you can follow my instagram for some fun or not or read my book or don't but i'm, I'm happy <laughs> to be able to share my story and at the very least check out my comics because they're fun or don't, but I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be able to share my story with you guys. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Kristen. It's been a pleasure. Um, and like like she said, give her a follow, get the books, sign up for the comics, and uh, and yeah, you'll you'll be interested with what she has to say um, cool. in more depth than what we've talked about today. Thank you so much. Cheers.